This morning's reading is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, firstly verses 1 to 12, and then verses 20 to 25. It's found on page 185 in the Church Bible. Love the Lord your God. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses, and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, Houses filled with all kinds of good things he did not provide. Wells he did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves he did not plant. Then when he meets and are satisfied, be careful you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now chapter, now verse 20. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees and laws the Lord our God commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we may always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. We are pursuing this uh, series in uh, Deuteronomy, and uh, I thought it was appropriate if we stay in chapter 6 of this uh, celebration of Father's Day, thinking about parents and families and the generations as they grow and develop. So the theme is a faithful God. Let's see how that works out and particularly um, as we stay in chapter 6 in the context of the many issues uh, that come to us. Uh, last Sunday I had an epiphany. Do you know what an epiphany is? A revealing. I was sitting next to Jordan. Is Jordan here? No. He's, he's, up, he's up there. Yeah. He has his mobile phone. I have my Bible and I switch. 
and I said, I'll take that and you have mine. And uh, there it was, my first experience <coughs> reading the Bible on the phone. I know the coming of age, an epiphany of revealing and unfolding. It's amazing. How does it work? I don't know. All I only know it works. Faith is a bit like that sometimes. You don't really know in all the details that it works. The sub-theme this morning is that of memory. Memory. The thrust of chapters 6 to 9 particularly lays great stress on memory. Indeed, the word remember, it would be interesting if you were to do this study in Food New Life, occurs 160 times in the New International Version. Think about this for a moment, the whole issue of uh, our memory. As Christian people, oftentimes one of our main problems is what we can call spiritual amnesia. The Lord challenges us and says, you have forgotten me. Now, psychologists inform us that remembering people, events and experiences make sense to life. Just think for one moment that you didn't have relationships, experiences, events, white out. Life would be, quite frankly, without memory, meaningless. You'd have no identity. You'd have no knowledge. No life history or journey. No recognition of friends, family. A lost soul. In a very real sense, stay with this idea now of memory for a moment, because it's a strong issue that runs through Deuteronomy. We are our memories. Think about that. We are our memories. Similarly, what makes our Christian life meaningful is quite simply to recall key events in what we call redemption history. Technical to say, we'll say there are certain events. Look, here's a landmark. That's a benchmark in our journey. And it says to us, that reminds me of the cross, that pivotal moment when the Saviour died. No other reason Jesus says, taking the theme of Deuteronomy, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget. But to forget creates enormous problems. Think for a moment then, but in a different way. Those of us who remember the relationship between Mrs. Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, during his illness, the family went public, he's got Alzheimer's. People are much more willing to talk about that now in a way that didn't before, in the way we thought about cancer, in a way that people didn't before. But just think about this for a moment. Here, at one time, was ostensibly, in the political arena at least, the most powerful man in the whole world, and he forgot that he'd been the President of the United States. Quite something, isn't it? So we need to say this, that a loss of memory is a tragedy 
But more than that, it's hazardous. It's hazardous. Uh, we have links with the church in Romania. Some 34 years ago, I remember meeting Joseph Thomas, very courageous Baptist minister who came to this country for his uh, MA degree in Oxford University. And while he was here, he took the opportunity to speak to ministers meetings. I was at one of them. He quoted you recently where Joseph Tom just, uh, just recently was speaking in Romania to a young people's rally. You young folks take note, young people's rally. They were more interested in testing on their mobiles than recalling the events of the persecuted church under Ceausescu. One generation, and they've forgotten. And we forget, us, our terrors, what our forefathers have handed to us. So much for that remarkable church in Romania even today. Memory, a powerful thing. Let me put it negatively for a moment. Failure to remember, what does it do? Failure to remember diminishes our joy by denying us the pleasant recollection. If, if you were on Desert Island this and you were to ask you said one favourite chapter of the Bible to to a Desert Island, what would you say? Well, I would take Luke 24. And here's the interesting thing. If I'm saying memory, this is the connection, diminishes our joy, denying our pleasant recollections the tools they walk, and as Jesus comes alongside them, they don't know who he is. And then in the breaking of bread, they sense something, and then Jesus is gone, and then they say, retrospective, didn't our heart burn within us? It's a past tense joy that you feed on in the present. Very powerful thing. And failure to remember diminishes our joy. It condemns us to repeat the mistakes of the past. Failure to remember results in ingratitude as we neglect the contribution of our predecessors, some 30, I can start talking as it's my age, some 34, 5 years ago, talking to a member of this church, Miss Lightwood, who prayed that she would be a missionary. She didn't become a missionary, and now she wanted her will in her will, her bungalow in Christ Furlong, to go to a good call. 35 years ago, now hundreds of people through the Schumann Trust have entered into her generosity, providing for missionaries. And in her death, she's done as much as in her life. You see the point? It's a powerful thing. We need to be careful about ingratitude. Failure to remember leads to arrogance, as if we are the first to experience or discover called reinventing the wheel, isn't it? <coughs> Failure to remember gives birth to pride. As if the gifts that we have today, the money that we harvest in the bank, the houses we live in, and all of that is ours. <coughs> it isn't. One of the things about this refurbished building is this, that many of you have seen that in a very powerful, tangible way and said, this is God giving to me. And I want to be part of what he's doing here. 
first last year, and the list is quite a long one, and we're always thinking about his memory. And the Lord keeps saying it like banging a drum all the time. Remember, remember, don't forget, don't forget, remember. Failure to remember produces a narrow mindset. And for us, worst of all, a spirit of discontent is the grind of nothingness all the same. And so you will find in conversation trust yourself or other people, they will say to you, if only. You could, fill, you could fill the sentence yourself, could you? so could I. If only. What would you start with? To only have more money. To only have a better house. If only I stayed married. If only my father hadn't died. Father's Day. If only my children would be helpful. If only my business succeeded. If only I'd say no to drugs. If only. If only. Well, the list, of course, is endless. But when we lose our memory, lose our sense of the goodness and the grace of God, it generates such discontent that we close in on ourselves. It leads us to the dead end street of self-pity, as if it's only me. Poor me. Indeed, poor me. Loss of memory. And the Bible constantly emphasizes the importance of memory and celebration. The Passover and the Lord's table. As Christian people, we have this act of remembrance, that's what we call it. The danger, emotionally and spiritually, is this, that we tend to forget the important thing, and we remember the trivia. That's the problem. You know, we are so wired up oftentimes that we forget the sheer goodness of people, the blessing of living in this part of the world, healthy children, a secure home. And we can almost hope sometimes have a sense that we've got things way out of perspective. Now, it's not to make us feel guilty. But the danger is this, that we forget what we should remember, remember what we should forget. And that's why this is a clarion call. Don't forget. Remember. Remember the Lord your God. Remember. Loss of memory, spiritual amnesia, if you like, is a tragedy more it is hazardous for those reasons. Let's come to Deuteronomy 6, which is the context of, of all of this. And it opens with what's called the Shema, the, the, the Jewish creed. The Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. You could go to any synagogue, any time, and this would be mentioned always. It's the bedrock of what's called the Judean Christian faith. God is one. He is good. He is gracious. He enters into covenant with people. So, in Deuteronomy 6, verses 3 and 4, you have God's covenant with his people. He makes the promise, and he won't break it. And verses 5 to 10, the people's response to God's promise. Uh, theologians would call this, let me just use it and so it's worth it, and I've been too long, 
looking through the, the spectacle of the New Testament, looking back on this, if you like, that it, in the New Testament you have a Christological expansion of the Shema. What is the Shema? Well, there it is. Here is the Lord, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord is one. Heart, soul, with all your strength, and so on and so forth. Jesus brings that and expands that and ultimately exemplifies it in the cross, the Shema. I want us to look at it very quickly at a series of tears that come out in chapter 6 on this Father's Day. We're thinking about heart and soul. We're thinking about mind and strength. We're thinking of private and public. We're thinking in need and plenty. Just suppose how holding these uh, together like that. Let's start. Heart and soul. Look at uh, chapter 6 and verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Heart. Christianity is essentially, intrinsically, a heart religion. A religion without a heart is no religion at all. And we have many examples of that today when you think of the conflicts in the world. Heartless. So what do we mean? Well, it's an emotional dimension, if you like. It's due to our feelings. Yes, let me, let me put it to you like this. When it's wall-to-wall sports now, and particularly football for the next few weeks, and Wimbledon, and the cricket, and so on and so forth. The people who are enthusiastic, you always hear them when they, they, they're, they're sitting down, they're shouting, they're, they're waving, they're exceedingly emotional. And yet, you know, when those same people come to church, they're dead as donors. I mean, it's the ice. What's about it, really? Why is that? Maybe you say, maybe our services don't lend themselves to the Okay, well then, we should change. Because what, what we have here is, in Deuteronomy uh, 6 and verse 5, is love the Lord your God with all your heart. This isn't a casual relationship. Something extra on a Sunday. And here's a tricky one, and the translators here, what would you do, say about soul? Is it, um, is it what some people call tautology, saying the same differently? No. If you like the heart, the, 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 the emotional dimension, the soul, the, the inner person, the soul, the real you, you, me, what we are essentially, we are to love like that, without pretense. Look at the next two. Look in verses 5 and 10. Heart and soul, mind and strength. That's it, five Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You see that? These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. If we were to read on these commandments, are on your heart, impress them, talk about them. They have to be on your mind to do that. Mind and strength. Love God with all your mind. Now this is the pendulum, if you like. Some churches, if, if some are a bit um, 
void of emotion, others are void of intellect, of mind, of being stretched, of asking and understanding what is the Spirit saying to the Church today? Feeling and thinking, not either or. And verse 7 gives this interesting, what you call a transfer, a transference of clear thinking. That's the challenge on Father's Day, but a challenge to all who have any involvement with young people. Look at verse 7. Impress them. You know, an interest, you have it in, in, in the Royal Mint, the, the, the interest of the sovereign. This is a very strong word. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's an amazing verse for Father's Day for any who has involvement with children. Now, just to break that down for a moment, think about that. These are things that you and I can do. There are lots of things that we can't do. Well, what can we do when we think about this? Mind and strength. Well, we have God's word, and we must have it in our heart. That's where it starts. It's in our heart. Then, we, with this word, we are to impress them diligently upon our children. Children, particularly younger age, are like cement. They're malleable. They will be shaped and molded. Don't wait until the ravages of time and then say, well, you know. No. Teach them. Impress them. And look at this. Verse 10. Talk of them. Can I ask you, what do you talk about at home? Does, does anything remotely spiritual come to bear here? Talk of them. In what sense? Well, so how, how specific could you be when you sit down? You walk, when you lie down, when you get up. That's quite a lot, isn't it? This isn't just a little bit of, of church on Sunday and then. That is a very powerful thing here. Heart and soul, mind and strength, this transference of clear thinking. And then, look, hold on, verse 8, live it out. Let's all beware the danger and hypocrisy. Don't do as I do, do as I say. You can't do that. Live it out in your daily life. What? Binding them as signs on your hands. And then confess them openly before others. Write them on the doorposts of your houses. That's a very challenging thing, isn't it, today? Father's Day. Heart and soul. Mind and strength. In private and in public. And this is often the rub, isn't it? Look at verses 8 and 9. I just want the passage to impress upon you. And, and let me speak this there. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your forehead. Write them on the doorprints of your houses and on your gates. Let's try to break that down very quickly. This is a total lifestyle. The word gate is a fascinating word. You might think, yes, um, the garden gate. No, no, no garden gate. This is the city gate. This is the arena of commerce, of trade. 
in the classroom, in the boardroom, on the building site. On your gate, where you live, move and have your being, commercially or educationally, or at home, or a grandparent. No letter across here. The city gate, the marketplace. And think about this as well, this law of God. My private life. Go there in your own mind, as I must. My private life. Verse 8. These hands. What are they doing? Where's the being? It's a very personal. It's meant to be. My private life. And then my family life. The doorpost. The entrance into your home and my home. What are we really like to live with? And where does the grace of God come to bear upon all our relationships? And it impinges upon memory and not being forgetful. And then my public life at the gate, the square mile. Perhaps the school gate. Think of all the things that go on there, any place, any time. And then lastly, heart and soul, mind and strength, private, public, in need and in plenty. One of the dangers, of course, for the children of Israel was that they thought, here it is, a land flowing with no and money. That's the problem, isn't it? Well, not always, but it can be. And the temptation of every generation when things are going well, to forget. And this is the point that the Lord is making. When things are going well, we tend to forget. We presume. We take for granted. Or, as is the case here in verses 10 and 12, look at this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your father, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you, to give you, a land, large, flourishing cities, you did not build houses filled with things, good things, you did not provide well, you did not bring that, you didn't cultivate and so on and so forth. When you eat and are satisfied, satisfied the good of shalom, the goodness of God. Stop for a moment. Be careful that you do not forget. You see the point? At that point, you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of slavery. The Lord who gives you these good things. In need and plenty. You see this, if we, ours is an increasingly growing secular culture where we, you even at harvest at a conversation something two years ago, why are you trying to do it? It's the farmers that's doing it. It's bioengineering. Don't bring God into it. That's, that's what we need to think about here. My hands, my energy, my work, my life. What's my response to all of God's goodness? 
finally, there is something of the long term, the long view here. Take a deep breath and come to the end of this passage. Verse 20. And in the future, in the future, children are growing up, they grow up very quickly, leave home, you become grandparents, great grandparents, in the future. When your son, often your son or daughter, father, mother, parent, grandparent, what is the meaning of the stipulation and the decree of the Lord and Lord, the Lord our God has commanded you? Now, if we live in a certain way, our children are going to ask certain questions. And we should say this. Why aren't our younger people asking us more of these questions? What's the answer? Oh, I was lucky. Appalling answer for believers. Maybe you wouldn't say that. I hope not. Tell them. Tell your child. We were slaves. Did you know that? We, we, this is, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders great and terrible upon Egypt, so terrible that the first born died. God did that. <coughs> and look at verse 24. The Lord commanded us to obey all the decrees and to fear the Lord our God, that we might always possibly set alive as it is case today. <coughs> if we are careful to obey, not to forget, the Lord, before the Lord our God, as He commanded us, this will be our salvation, our righteous way. A godly life, a distinctive life, will provoke distinctive questions. Whether that's a church, or a family, or an individual. And we all need to be challenged by that. Be sure, we are not the sort of people who remember all the hurts and the failures of other people, of course, not yourself. Clearly not. And forget what we should remember of the sheer goodness of God. Memory. Do not forget. Do not forget. Ours is a culture of cynicism. And what a wonderful challenging situation could work and at home, and with our family, and in our community, in the marketplace, to live it out. To live it out as faithful, faithful God. And as we stand in the power of Christ, let's share the grace. The grace is of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, evermore.